what's up everything with just under 17 hours until free agency officially begins the blue situation is predictably clouded but what we do know sounds bleak so i'm going to take out my frustrations and concerns on your eardrums every single thing said on this quick solo podcast will be out of date by the time you listen to it so let's get started and let's go insiders Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. Uh, this is actually a One Guy One Cup podcast. It's just me, Steven, sitting here in an apartment in Jacksonville, Florida, fretting about uh, things that are far out of my control at tomorrow's free agency opening deadline. I guess it's not really a deadline, it's the opposite of that. But um, free agency begins officially tomorrow around noon Eastern time, at noon Eastern time. Um, and suddenly, miraculously, even though there's absolutely no tampering in the NHL, um, most of the major free agents will be signed by 12.05 Eastern. But um, jokes aside, wanted to do a quick pod um, talking about some of the goings on, some of the rumors that are or aren't swirling about the Blues. Um, and, you know, it is just going to be me, Ian, and I will get together, I assume, tomorrow night or Thursday night to... Uh, talk about the fallout of what actually happened, um, but uh, you know, thought it would be fun to do a podcast talking about what could happen before the shenanigans really begin tomorrow. Of course, uh, it is just me, so you know, if that's not your thing, we will be back, and you can tune out. Uh, I'm down with that. I don't take offense, but otherwise, uh, I'll just bramble on incoherently about a few things, and uh, you know, you can. Listen along with me. So let's start with the one, I think, unequivocally good thing uh, that the Blues did do um, so far already. Uh, the trade of goaltender Ville Husso to um, the uh, Detroit Red Wings for a third-round draft pick. Um, that was a huge success, I think, for the Blues um, because... You know, it's it's a player we couldn't afford to sign. Very obviously, he signed uh, for an AAV of four point seven five million, which um, I think, quite frankly, is uh, pretty insane. Um, but we can talk about that more tomorrow with Ian. Um, but the uh, pick became a Swedish forward named Alex Santeri Koskamaki, who has a fantastic name. Uh, and supposedly has a great shot. I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about, um, you know, the players that are there, but um, in the third round. But I think you know it's it's exciting to have another good forward prospect in the pool, and getting it for a player who you were essentially going to lose for free uh, is pretty awesome. And um, we can tell by the way the goaltending market has shaken out, which I'm sure. Ian and I will also discuss whenever we get together. Um, players like Huso, you know, who in a in a normal year might might have been kind of a, 
a dummy prize or not. I, that's not unfair to him. He's a young goalie who had a great season, but might have been farther down the list of of interested, um, you know, prospect goalies for people to sign. Uh, they became hot commodities, and the Blues were able to take advantage of that and get the Red Wings a shot to sign him before anyone else could. Um, and you know, they got, uh, I think a really good return out of it. When you do, when you look at some of the things, uh, that other, <laughs> that other teams got for very good players under contract, or you look at the Blackhawks meltdown yet another thing Ian and I will discuss, um, you know, I think it's, it's a great pickup to do that. So that's the positive news for sure from the Blues so far. As I pause to take a, a sip of my tea out of a St. Louis Zoo coffee mug with a nice polar bear on it. Um, now let's talk about the uh, nightmare scenario that could potentially play out for the Blues. We don't know if it will play out, but from all the rumors we're hearing, um, it seems, given what we know now, uh, that David Perron is likely not to re-sign with the St. Louis Blues, um, a player who... Most of us thought it was pretty much a foregone conclusion the Blues would re-sign, um, and who I think they very much need to re-sign. Um, they probably are not going to be able to re-sign uh, with um, the cap situation as it is. Now, there are a lot of caveats here. Um, first of all, I think the suggestion that cap is the issue that keeps Perron from re-signing means either um, they have other big plans, whether that is a Nick Letty extension, which we'll talk about, God forbid, or um, another player they're eyeing bringing in or another couple of players they want to bring in. Um, they currently have $9 million in cap space, and they really only have, you know, they have to have a goalie. Um, and Chucky Sideburns is apparently also leaving, we'll talk about in a minute, but um, they had to have a goalie, and they have to re-sign Perunovic and um, potentially Costin and um, one other player who's escaping me at the moment, I will look it up, um, but they don't have major work to do this offseason, and with $9 million to play with, um, it seems to me like that should be enough room to fit in Perron too, especially since you know Torpchenko um, is likely going to be um, on the LTIR. Perunovic is the other player, and Mikola. Um, likely to be on the LTIR entering next season. It seems like enough space, um, even if Perron is looking for $6 million uh, per season, which I think is way higher than I would have expected. It seems like we have the space to potentially do it. Um, but I will also say, I do think Perron makes the most sense for the Blues if he's willing to take a fairly steep discount on what he could get on the open market to stay here. If he's able to get 6.5 on the open market um, and would do like a 4.5 to stay here, that's definitely something I think the Blues should consider. Um, but it is his right to get every dollar that he's worth. And if if making one last major payday in the NHL is worth more than staying in St. Louis and, and finishing his career here and building his legacy here, and I, I, 
I want to make sure that didn't sound critical. I didn't mean it to sound critical. It's Those are two difficult things to balance. Uh, and if he wants to choose the one over the other, um, that uh, makes sense. And he's entitled to do that. I didn't think it was probably where he was leaning. Um, and, you know, we'll never know or at least certainly won't know for a long time uh, if he does leave, whether, you know, Armstrong desperately wanted to keep him and couldn't, whether Armstrong is worried about aging him, uh, whether Armstrong is trying to get younger and retool for the future, which is another thing um, that I have some big questions about. Uh, but in any case, all signs from all the analysts point to him not returning next year. Now, the flip side of kind of that same coin is that all signs right now point to the Blues not trading Vladimir Tarasenko. I am a lot less um, sure about this one uh, because I think there's one scenario that really dictates whether and when the Blues trade uh, Tarasenko. But um, despite... Frank Saravalli's insistence that he has never rescinded his trade request and does want to find a new home. Uh, the Blues have held on to him so far, didn't trade him at the draft. Obviously, he is still in St. Louis um, and will be next season, barring major changes. Now, I know we don't know what's happening. I understand that we haven't seen all the pieces fall into place. I could look like an idiot tomorrow. Um, I hope I look like an idiot tomorrow. I had, I do truly have a lot of faith in Doug Armstrong. I think he's one of the best GMs in the NHL. Um, but even the best GMs make really bad decisions sometimes. And to me, uh, keeping a Tarasenko who, um, you know, if what we're being reported on is true, and that's a big caveat on everything I'm saying tonight, keeping a Tarasenko who doesn't want to be here and almost certainly won't re-sign in a year, not getting any assets for him, and then letting David Perron, who, from everything we've heard, even if he won't take a huge discount to be here, would prefer to be here. Um, he, he loves St. Louis. We know that. He's never been shy about that. He wrote about that uh, one of the last two times he signed here. And um, I think he'd want to finish his career here, all things being equal. So keeping Tarasenko, not getting assets for him, and losing him for free in a year, which also then makes you lose Perron for free this year, barring other major moves that make that make sense, uh, that makes no sense to me. It makes less than no sense. And yeah, Tarasenko's the younger, better player. Um, I, I'm not denying that, although some do. Um, but it doesn't really matter because it's one season. You're going to pay Perron presumably less than Tarasenko next season. I can't fathom a situation where you'd pay him more or even all that close to $7.5 million. Um, and you're going to get good production for him. You're going to keep uh, O'Reilly happy. Uh, and you're going to potentially get resources for Tarasenko in a trade. And... I think all those things are really good and important for the Blues to do. Um, and so the fact that right now it looks like they're not doing it doesn't make sense to me. This team with Tarasenko and without Perron is still considerably worse than not, n last year. This team with Perron, without Tarasenko, and with assets that we could get for Tarasenko, whether that's an immediate player or futures, that we could in turn trade for a player, plus the added cap room that we'll get from trading Tarasenko. All those things 
certainly make the team better off long term, in my opinion. Um, and excuse me, also, uh, I think could make them better for next season. So that's kind of the big, big question mark looming over the Blues off season right now. Now, here's the caveat to all that. I do think that Doug Armstrong may be playing a little bit of a cat and mouse game on um, the Johnny Johnny Goudreau situation. Now, that's not, I absolutely don't believe they're in on Johnny Goudreau. I mean, I know Kevin Weeks talked about that and, and played kind of a what-if game. I just don't think, I don't think it makes any sense for the Blues to add Goudreau. I mean, of course it makes sense. He's a phenomenal player, um, but, you know, the extent to which uh, it really fits what the Blues are doing and where they're at. I don't know if I see that. Um, but the Johnny Gaudreau situation does matter because there are four or five teams that really want Johnny Gaudreau, and there's only one Johnny Gaudreau. So uh, whether he stays aflame tomorrow or whether he goes to New York, either of the New York teams, whether um, Philly finds a way to get him, whoever else might be looking at him, um, once he's signed and truly off the market, once he's made a decision, that's going to make JT Miller and Vladimir Tarasenko the next best options on the wing for anyone who wants a big upgrade there. Um, there are not a lot of high-quality free agents this year. I mean, there's Phil Kessel, um, but at this age, he's not better than either of those guys. I'm sure there are a couple other players that I'm forgetting. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's a pretty thin free agent class um, in a lot of ways. And you've pretty much got Giroux and Malkin, uh, who are, you know, centers. Um, you've got Patrice Bergeron, who's obviously not playing for anyone other than um, other than Boston. Goudreau is kind of the prize. Radulov is a free agent, but he's already going to Russia. Um, and beyond that, it's a, it's a big, big, big step down to anyone else. You know, Andre Palat's pretty good, but A, he's probably not leaving, and B, he's certainly not on those guys' level. So once Goudreau's signed, nobody wants to make a move. Nobody who wants Goudreau wants to make a move for a player right now who could potentially prevent them from getting Goudreau. But once Goudreau is signed and they have... Uh, know that they don't have him. They still have a need on the wing. They still want that scoring potential. Um, you know, that's a situation when a Tarasenko makes a lot more sense. Somebody might get desperate. They might not. They might place a pretty reasonable trade for him. But if you get good assets for him, Perron, you know, maybe you tell Perron, give us a day. You, you know, maybe you... Um, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but maybe you tell him the situation you're in and try to try to keep him uh, available. Um, and then, you know, you trade Tarasenko and you do it that way. Uh, I think that's a possibility just because I think Goudreau is such a, such a tier above any other winger that, um, you know, nobody who wants him is going to want to take an asset like, JT Miller, who also hasn't moved, or like uh, Tarasenko, who, you know, will then prevent them from signing him. Uh, but he can only go to one team, and once that's done, uh, they, you know, have to go settle for what's next. And, and Vladimir Tarasenko, 
a very good consolation prize if a team does miss out on Johnny Goodrow. The other way the Goodrow situation uh, affects the Blues is obviously Matthew Kachuk, which, you know, is is a big, big ball of yarn that I'm not going to totally unpack, but I don't think it's rocket science to say that the Blues probably would love to add Matthew Kachuk and that he'd probably love to play here. Um, he is a UFA after next season, assuming he doesn't sign a long extension. Uh, you know, it, he has said that he would love to stay long-term in Calgary. I have questions about that. Um, it all kind of hinges on Gaudreau and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because everybody says, well, if he leaves, then they'll be more willing to trade Tarasenko, but if he, or sorry, to trade Kachuk, but if he stays, he's also going to be crazy expensive. And, um, you know, I, if I, I don't know how they can fit both. Um, I mean, they can fit both, but then how do they build the rest of a team? It's a, it's an interesting situation. So, um, I'm sure the blues are keeping, you know, at least, at least a, a toe in the, could Matthew Kachuk be moved this summer pool? Um, and there are a lot of balls in the air to clarify the forward situation. Is there a situation where both, um, Piranha and Tarasenko aren't here next year? I think only if, only if you see a move like that, where we do get a major impact forward, whether it's Kachuk or somebody else, um, that, you know, it, we really see the team moving in a new direction. The Kachuk potential raises one other thing uh, that I thought I'd talk about before I move on to some other topics, which is, you know, I, can, I really could see the argument, and I know a lot of people can't, but um, I could see the, or at least I see a situation where, um, Armstrong kind of pulls back and retools for a couple of years down the road. Um, I know a lot of people think our contract situation is, is too rough to do that. And I think, I think they're kind of misinterpreting what I'm saying. Cause I'm not talking about a rebuild where we really get younger. I'm talking about waiting a year or two for Thomas and Cairo to mature into you know, superstars potentially rather than just very good young players. Um, hopefully keeping O'Reilly. Um, Buchnevich is still just 27 and must have just turned 27 recently. So he's by no means an older player. You've got Jake Neighbors, uh, maybe Zach Bolduck, who seemed to be, you know, on the precipice of the NHL. Um, and, you know, Scott Perunovich, who really has surprisingly few rumors about potentially trading him this year, uh, which I think shows the Blues' commitment to keeping him. There's been rumors about trading Tori Krug, but not about trading Scott Perunovich. Um, I really think, you know, if you look at Thomas and Kairou as the the most core of our team, which I think they are at this point, I, you know, Kairou could be moved in a situation like uh, trading for Matthew Kachuk, but... Um, you know, I I really think as much as they probably want Kachuk, they'd probably try to do just about any other thing other than move Kachuk or, or sorry, other than move Kairou or, or Thomas. Obviously, I'm pretty confident they wouldn't move Thomas under any circumstances. But, um, you know, you if you add one Matthew Kachuk-like piece to that already young group of forwards, you have a new core 
that is going to be good for a really long time. Um, And you can look a couple years down the line with some confidence, try to shed some of the bad contracts, try to shed some of the age and bring in some new one um, and just let those guys mature and get even better while you're also letting teams like Colorado, you know, fall apart a little bit as as teams are going to do in the flat cap, Eric. Colorado gave a, a big contract to Valerian Nishishkin, and they really love him, and they want to keep him, and he's, he's a great piece. Um, but giving $6 million for eight years to Valerian Nishishkin keeps them from doing a lot of other things, you know? So um, that's just a theory I have. I'm curious. You know, we didn't really know that um, Doug Armstrong was retooling when he did it from like 2017 to 2019 and then we won a cup um so who knows but uh, there are really a lot of balls in the air we never know much about what doug armstrong does as much as we talk about lou limarello and the islanders being kind of the the fortress of solitude where no information ever escapes doug's pretty good about keeping uh his business out of the press so um we could be sitting here tomorrow night just shocked at what he has done or hasn't done, um, and it's way too soon to tell. There was discussion of, I think it was a Strickland tweet today, about the Blues potentially negotiating with Nick Weddy. That doesn't make sense to me, honestly. I Maybe they've looked at the left-handed D-trade market and, and the prices are just too steep, but I don't know how you consider yourself getting better. Um, you know, if you, if you lose Perron and keep Letty and don't make other major, major changes, you are, I think Ian said today in, in text back and forth, you can't argue that you're better that way. You could maybe argue you're the same, and I honestly don't think that. I think, I think Letty was fine here. I don't mean it as a drag on him, but we left last season all saying we need to upgrade on left-handed defense, and he's not an upgrade. He's what we already had. So, um, you know, he's an option in the, bo- in the you know, I wouldn't even really say top four. I'd almost say, like, bottom four, like second or third pairing, and he'd be fine. But I don't think our defense is any better, and if you're not making other major moves, uh, then you're not getting better, you know? So, um I think that's that's a situation I don't understand. Bringing him back kind of locks in our defense and if we don't make a major trade. And, um, you know, I don't think it does it in a good way. I don't think we're a lot better because of it. And, um, you know, I just have my doubts about going that way. Uh, there was discussion earlier a couple days ago about um, – a lot of discussion earlier in the offseason, really, about uh, Chucky Sideburns, Charlie Lindgren being the Blues replacement at um, backup goalie with Huso leaving. Uh, I said all along that I didn't believe that they would go with someone so inexperienced um, to back up Bennington after last season when they really needed a backup who could start games for them for a long period of time. Uh, and there was a tweet today suggesting, again, I think it might've been Strickland suggesting that that would indeed be the case that um, Lindgren would test free agency and that the blues would probably look for someone with more experience. Now that doesn't mean that it can't happen, that he can't come back. Um, but, you know, I think the Blues are probably going to go a different direction. There is a really, 
bad goalie market. There are really only two. Uh, if you if you believe the rumors that Braden Holpe maybe is retiring, um, there are really only two goalies I like. Uh, one is Yaroslav Halak. I think you know it would be cool to have him back. I love Halak. I always have, but. He is also just a really good goalie, has been his whole career. He's obviously old now and is, you know, 37, late 30s. So um, you'd only get him for a one or two year deal, but that's really all you need until Huso matured, or uh, sorry, Hofer matured and, and was probably ready to be a backup and, and kind of take the reins. Um, Halak coming back, you know, obviously he'd have to be willing, which is a big question mark, but um, I think he'd be kind of perfect for Bennington because he's not going to threaten Bennington. Like, there's not going to be a move to make him the starter. Um, whereas, you know, if you have a Huso behind Bennington, there's really an argument for saying, hey, this guy's younger and cheaper, you know, or was cheaper and <clears throat> should become the starter, you're never going to say that with Halak. So there's no added pressure, but if Bennington does struggle or, God forbid, gets injured, Halak has that experience and can be an NHL starter. The one I really like um, who did not get qualified today, making him a UFA, uh, is Ilya Samsonov, uh, the former young hotshot from the Capitals. He's had a couple rough seasons, and... Um, you know, became a free agent, and I'm sure there will be several teams interested on him. Uh, but if you can bring him in for two million, give him a chance to redeem himself behind Bennington. Um, this is a guy that was once thought of as you know goalie of the future material up in that class with Shesterkin and and Samsonov or not Samsonov, um, the one in uh, New York, uh, Sorokin. Uh, those guys who. Uh, you know, and, and they're all three a little younger than Vasilevsky, but those guys who are kind of the future of goaltending, he was once in that category. He's still very young. I think he's only 25, um, and it would be a cool little kind of upside play that they could do. He certainly has, you know, the the legs uh, to start for an extended stretch if, if Bennington struggles or gets hurt, um, and, you know, the upside that really no other goalie left in this class offers. Um, you know, you could potentially give him a two-year deal, um, rehab him for a season. If he has a really good year behind Bennington, you can trade him next year and, and get a decent return, you know. So that that's really a situation that interests me. Um, I really have no clue. There's, there's always a, a couple guys that come over from Europe Two um, that you you know you've never heard of you never heard of like Pavel Francouz before he was over here. Um, plenty of examples of guys like that. Um, Vitek Vanacek. I don't know where he came from. He may have been drafted, but you know there are usually. Uh, I think Eric Schalgren, who is the the backup now to <laughs> Matt Murray in Toronto. <laughs> uh, I cannot wait to talk about that with Ian, but. Um, you know, he's a guy that came over from Europe. So maybe they've got their eyes on, on something sneaky there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if I had to just take my pick, I'd probably go with Samsonov. But I trust I trust the Blues to, to get a solid backup. And, and if they circle back around to, to Lindgren and, and Lindgren circles back around to them, then, hey, it wouldn't have been my choice. But, you know, 
he did look great up here last year and really looked great at the AHL level too. So, you know, maybe he deserves a shot. Maybe I'm being overly pessimistic, but, um, you know, that's the way it stands. Uh, before I sign off a couple of free agent names, I'm kind of monitoring tomorrow. Um, I think if the blues do anything in free agency that isn't Perron, it's going to be kind of minor moves to, um, kind of strengthen their bottom six, which uh, lost Tyler Bozak, obviously, has missing Torpchenko going into the season. Um, and another thing that was announced today probably is losing Dakota Joshua, who's heading to free agency, which I'm really sad to see. I really like Joshua. I think he's been a, a solid player for us and, and a really nice you know future considerations type pickup when we got him from Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs a few years ago. So, you know, would love to see Joshua resign here. But um, if you lose those three guys, you've already lost Sunquist to the trade last year. Um, you know, Barbashev has kind of almost graduated into like a middle six role. Um, you really need a better bottom six. You need that grind line that you can send out to shut down defense and uh, or, or, you know, shut down the other team's best line so that it's not always Ryan O'Reilly doing that. Uh, there are some names I really like. The name that I, you know, I think everybody's going to like out there that I really don't think, <clears throat> I think the Blues will probably be priced out of, but Dylan Strom, um, the Blackhawks center slash winger, former third overall pick of Arizona in 2015, um, is just... 25 years old and the Blackhawks did not qualify him this year, which is one of the most mystifying general managing decisions I've ever seen. Um, we'll talk about it at length with Ian, but good Lord, I just don't, they're doing a, a, a grossly transparent tank um, and I have issues with that. I thought Mark Lazarus wrote a great article for The Athletic you should check out about how gross that is, and, and he's a Blackhawks reporter. Um, <clears throat> but leaving that aside, they're just doing it so badly. Like, you can, you can tank for next season and still get the most possible for your assets, and they're getting, you know, shockingly bad returns for their assets. You can argue Doc for the 13th overall pick was a kind of okay return, but it's like three years removed, I think, since he was a top five pick and you get the 13th pick in a much weaker draft uh, in exchange for him. Um, the the um, Debrinkat trade, I mean, I don't even have the time to say how, how bad a return that was for a player that good. Uh, and then just not just letting Dylan Strom walk for free. This is a great player. This is a player you could have I, I, you could have at least gotten a second round pick for this guy from somebody. Um, and now he's a free agent. A lot of players, uh, a lot of teams will be interested. There's links to Toronto because he's from Toronto, which everybody is. So who cares? Um, I, I think the Blues won't be able to get him because I think he'll be pretty expensive. Um, to be honest, I think he'll probably get a pretty decent deal and probably one with some term. Um, but if he is somebody you can get, you know, he slides really nicely into that same kind of young budding core that I talked about, uh, early, mid-20s kinds of guys um, that I think 
would be a really nice addition. So he's probably the guy I covet the most that I, I really don't think the Blues are going to get at all. But there are some guys that I think they could play around at the fringes. I'll say one that I think Blues fans are going to roll their eyes. Um, I wouldn't... I wouldn't totally rule out a, a Paul Stastny reunion. He's probably he's kind of a nice Tyler Bozak replacement. He wins a lot of faceoffs uh, and can produce some offense. Uh, the thing I'd say about Stastny is that he's not really a two-way center at this point in his career. If he ever was, he's he's more of an offensive guy, which probably isn't what we need as much. Um, but you know, maybe he he definitely wants a contender. Um, assuming he doesn't feel any any bad ways about leaving, which you know he signed as a UFA or no, he was traded um, at the deadline. But then you know was a UFA after the season. I can't imagine he would. He's still you know St. Louis is still his hometown, so I could see it. I wouldn't say it's likely, but it'd be interesting. One I really like another guy who wasn't qualified today for reasons passing understanding. Uh, Rudolph Balsers, the um, former Sharks forward, just a great two-way forward, a perfect bottom six guy, really defensive, really strong, just 25 himself. So another guy you can kind of, you know, bring some younger blood in, cycle those guys, um, and <clears throat> get you know some some nice some nice penalty killing. Um, and value out of your bottom six. Uh, Zach Aston Reese is is almost a cheaper version of that former, uh, I believe, former Homie Baker winner, maybe former finalist. But he is uh, really just he's a one way forward, but the defense way. He's not he's not adding anything offensively, but a, a really strong defensive forward, a shutdown guy. Um, another name I really like. Um, and I love Vincent Trocek. He's probably another guy, especially in this year's class, who's going to be, you know, more expensive and probably not somebody we're looking at. But for a third-line center role, get some, you know, power play potential, some penalty kill potential. Um, I, I've loved Trocek for a long time. He wins face-offs. He hits. Great, great fantasy asset uh, for those of you folks who play fantasy hockey. Just don't draft him in our uh, podcast league, please, because that would make me sad. Um, but a really good player all around and someone I like to, you know, I would love for the Blues to have at some point, but I don't think it's probably likely. Uh, Balsers and and, and um, Aston Reese both really appeal to me, and Strom appeals to me a lot, but I know I'm, I'm not alone in that. And <clears throat> Unless he has such a vendetta against the Blues that he'll sign for their arch rival for the cheap, um, I think he's probably, you know, priced out for us. But... Um, that's kind of my overview right now. I should probably scan Twitter before I sign off just to make sure nothing has happened since I signed on. Um, God knows it could have. Uh, but, um, you know, tomorrow determines everything. We don't know. Um, we have no idea what's actually going to happen. Doug Armstrong keeps a pretty tight lid on things. Um, but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to say the least. And I hope we're going to see some big moves, some unexpected things, some excitement. Um, and yeah, I think that's all I got. I'm, I'm scanning. I don't see major news on the Twitters. Um, so I think I can safely sign off, uh, the Blues have a lot of work to do, I think, to be a dramatically better team for next season. If they do, are if they are willing to retool and and take a 
step back, maybe get a higher pick in, in a really good draft and then, you know, be better the following seasons. I'm really okay with that. I know a lot of people wouldn't be, but, um, you know, I think, uh, I think we're going to find out tomorrow. So we'll know a lot more when Ian and I are back on together, uh, which I hope will be very soon. I haven't actually confirmed uh, if it'll be tomorrow or Thursday with him. Um, but, uh, you know, you'll find out when it's posted maybe we'll keep you posted on Twitter. We'll certainly be active there tomorrow as I pretend to work, uh, and fail miserably at pretending to do so. Um, but that's it for tonight. If you have listened this far, I really appreciate, uh, you being as bloodthirsty a blues fan as me. Um, I'm nuts to record the podcast, but you're even crazier for listening to it. Uh, so I appreciate you tomorrow's the day. Uh, it's time to get wild. It's time to get crazy. Let's have some fun, and uh, let's go Doug Armstrong. Bring it home, buddy. Good night, everybody. Let the games begin. Let the games begin. Passed out. All my friends went and passed out. So much for the night. Last round. I'm gonna be a people person in a room of people, people I'ma keep on running this shit, let the games begin